0: I just find Christmas a fascinating time, isn't it? It's an exciting time. But I don't know whether you've ever thought about the idea that we're celebrating Christmas, we're about to enter into another Christmas. Um, How many Christmases have you celebrated? Don't don't answer that, just think about it. How many have you celebrated? Uh, How many will you get to celebrate? We don't really know the answer to that, do we? But when you think about it, The number of Christmases that we get to celebrate in our own lifetime, it's really relatively small compared to the whole idea of Christmas that has been going on for decade and decade and thousands now of years. It's a special time and it's an amazing time. I think it it also exposes real desires in our hearts that all humanity looks for. We look for inspiration, don't we? We look for hope. We look for a better world. I don't know whether you feel like that. Don't you wish for a better world than the world that we actually live in? When we look around at the things that are going on, at the challenges that we face, actually the challenges that we individually face, never mind the wider challenges in the world, Christmas is a moment which brings a sense of hope we look for something better. Uh, most of we, you will know, I guess, that Christmas, the idea of Father Christmas, that great hero of Christmas, um, was, was drawn from a, a, a bishop from the 3rd century, 300 years after Jesus. Uh, Nicholas, his name was. He was bishop of a place called Myra. And um, he, the legend tells us that he had a, a tendency to try to help the poor, but without them knowing it. So in Myra, it ended up that people used to leave their shoes outside. And over night time, he'd go around and he'd put gold coins in the shoes of people uh, in the town. I guess that probably is where the idea of putting our stockings out at night came from. But even then, in at this particular time when the church was... Remembering the idea of Jesus being born, even in that really practical way, he was wanting to to point to a sense of hope. Just for a few minutes, maybe we can just take some time out of all of the busyness of our lives, all of the uh, immediate hopes of Christmas, and place ourselves in the bigger history of Christmas and ask ourselves are we looking for that kind of hope? We do look outside of ourselves for heroes, don't we? I guess for many, St. Nicholas, Bishop Nicholas, was a hero. He, for some, he probably saved them from losing their homes or maybe even being able to eat for the next month. That, that's the kind of hero that he was to people. But I think we all look outside of ourselves for heroes. In your work career or in your playing career or in your family life, I'm sure for all of us there will be heroes that come to mind. Maybe they're not known by everybody, but they're a hero to you. We look outside of ourselves for inspiration and for hope. Uh, and really, what the Bible does at Christmas time. Uh, and the reading that Daryl read for us earlier, and in various other parts of the Bible, it places right at the center of our thoughts the great hero of the Bible. Everything is building up to, and is pointing back to, this one person, Jesus. We think of him in all sorts of different ways. Maybe for you, you might think he's Uh, irrelevant, maybe you think he's interesting, maybe you think you really angry with him, whatever it might be. One of the things that we we can't do is ignore the fact that he has been incredibly influential in the history of our world. But I want you to note a few things. Let's firstly have a quick look at the first reading in Luke where Luke introduces us uh, to Jesus. The first thing that we see is that he is an unexpected hero. He's unexpected. Look at the way it opens up. In fact, I think Luke probably does this on purpose. One, to place it in history. But two, to create a contrast, we open up with this great declaration that Caesar Augustus has issued a decree that a census is going to be carried out and everybody has got to go back to their hometown. So I guess for loads of you, you'll be thinking back to your nativity plays in school with Mary and Joseph making the way back to Bethlehem. That's what it was all about, this huge figure in the, uh, in the ancient world. This Caesar, this leader of the Roman Empire, the greatest empire that the world has ever seen, is placed at the beginning of the reading. Caesar is massive in the history of the world and at that time he was everything and then at the end of it at verse 7 we read that Mary gives birth to her firstborn she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them isn't that an amazing contrast that Luke has decided to present to us on the one hand you've got the grandeur of Caesar who is known by everybody in the Roman world and then at the end of the reading that we read we've got Jesus who is, comes into the world unknown by everybody. He's just hidden away in a scruffy, dirty, smelly stable which was actually a good place for them because at least it was warm and he's born to nothingness. I guess the Roman Empire has had Some impact on us for all of us, you know, wherever you see a long straight road, you know that that's going to be built by the Romans. But in reality, Julius Caesar has had relatively little impact on us compared to the continuing impact that Jesus has had. Where again, continuing throughout the world, there are many people who are saying he is so significant that I don't believe he was just a figure of history but I believe he was who he claimed to be, the Son of God who's come into the world. It's an amazing contrast that Luke portrays for us. We we see an unexpected hero. But when we turn to our next reading, which incidentally, it's from the book of Isaiah. If you know the Bible... In any kind of way, you know the Bible's in two bits. You've got the Old Testament and you've got the New Testament. The New Testament is everything from Jesus' birth onwards. And the Old Testament is everything up to Jesus' birth. This bit covers thousands of years. This covers uh, 70, 80 years, something like that. It's not a huge amount of time. All of this stuff that goes on before, which Isaiah is a part of, has become part of the Jewish nation's Scripture. It's become part of their life. They're reading it. They've been reading it for hundreds of years. It's incredibly important to them. It's everything that they're living by. And there we have this picture, which in verse 6 says this, "...for to us a child is born, to us a son is given." Isn't that fascinating? Written five, six, well, over 600 years before Jesus, which was now by 500 or so years before Jesus, it was just part of their tradition, part of their reading. Isaiah is saying there is going to come a time where hope is going to come through the birth of a child. And that's why I guess Luke is saying. This birth, which seems totally irrelevant, is actually incredibly important because everything that you'd been expecting is actually now happening. That's the picture that Luke is saying. Everything that you've been expecting, everything that you've been anticipating, the hope that you've been looking for, it's come now in this one baby. But I find it even more amazing that Isaiah says, To us a child is born, to us a son is given. 600 years earlier. So, in a sense, we could say, I guess, that the unexpected Jesus of Luke is actually the expected child of the earlier part of the Bible. You could say it's unexpected, but expected. And that idea comes out in the whole of the life of Jesus. He's unexpected, and yet he's expected. All of the things that we celebrate around Christmas. The ideas of of wise men. Um, Yeah, guys, if you weren't kind of picked out as a wise man, don't worry, you'll make it one day. You might get there and you'll be in ads one day. Um, This idea of being... A prepared-for Jesus, a prepared-for child, has been right the way through the Bible. In fact, it is written into the name of the season. We call it Christmas, don't we? That's a Greek word, Christ, for the Hebrew word, Messiah. The promised one. Isn't that fascinating? This bit that we share for a few years in the short life that we live, where we enter into this bit of Christmas for just a few years, is actually something that has been going on for year after year after year, century after century after century, millennia after millennia. This is something that you should expect. So the unexpected hero becomes the expected hero. But what has that got to say to us today? I think what we see is that the Jesus who is the expected hero of the past becomes a timeless hero for today. Look at the way that reading in Isaiah carries on. It says, Unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. See, Jesus came to transform. This verse tells us, these verses tell us that what he came to transform was to bring a transforming justice. Justice is a, a really important thing to us, isn't it? Justice is essential. We need to live in a just world. In fact, many of the things that anger us, many of the things that frustrate us, uh, are when we look around and we see terrible injustice. It is an awful thing to see terrible injustice. And what the promised Jesus ushers in is a transforming justice. I guess in a real way, that's a true hero, isn't it? Temporary heroes, heroes for a few years, heroes that are here and gone, or maybe only impact a few people, are not the kind of world changers that we see in Jesus Jesus is, brings a transforming ju- justice but Jesus is also a bringer of peace a prince of peace a liberator who doesn't bring peace through force or through war but he actually brings peace by self-sacrifice i, I want to be really honest here and say you know when you look around you look through history and the human condition has got a terrible problem with peace we use power in terrible ways uh, and I would say that one of the things that even the church has done down through the centuries has been the intro- has been using power in terrible ways whether it's political power whether it's power over people Whether it's the church, whether it's political forces, whether it's ideologies, communism, everywhere you look, we don't see peace. We see war and we see turmoil. And yet, what we have promised here is a bringer of peace. We also see, thirdly, that he is the head of a perfectly just government. The greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing, upholding it with justice and righteousness. Perfectly just government. I don't know what your political allegiances are, but I think I could could say with some confidence that no matter who, we name as our political allegiance, we would have to at some time admit that no government is perfect. Every time we look, there is corruption. We are privileged, actually. We are privileged for all that we see that is terrible to live in a country which is relatively free. When we look around at other terrible situations in other parts of the world, where people are abused by their governments. We are privileged, but it is not perfect, is it? And yet what we see here is Jesus is promised as the bringer of a just government. So the unexpected hero becomes the expected hero, but this also suggests he becomes a timeless hero. See what it is says at the end? His justice and righteousness... Righteousness will live on from that time and forever. And you look around and you say, Well, where is that? Where is that timeless peace, that transforming justice, and where is that perfect governance? I guess that's where it really hits us personally. Because that is what Jesus brings. <coughs> in our individual relationship with God in heaven. He brings a perfect justice which says that we need rightness, but I will make it right. We need a perfect peace that we as human beings can never bring, but I will bring that. And I will also bring a perfect governance into your lives. And so, it ends up that no matter what government we live under, if we trust in Him, if we believe in Him, we end up under a new governance. We end up as what the Bible describes as citizens of heaven. I'm not in heaven yet. But the Bible teaches that in some amazing way, that is what we enjoy now. The governance of Jesus over our lives. That's how it becomes timeless. That's how this little season with a tiny baby that is born in squalor can bring hope and peace. I guess that's what this season promises for us and I guess that's what is at the heart of the real meaning of peace on earth and goodwill to all men and women on whom his favour rests. To have that relationship with the Jesus of Bethlehem and the God of heaven.